airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Good afternoon. This is Airing the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison holding it down again for the family, sending you greetings from the Addison tribe. Blessed to be here with you today. Before we start, we want to get some things out of the way. Make sure you download our podcast at AFR.net. AFR.net. You can search for Airing the Addisons. Click on that, and then you can go ahead and download the podcast or any other show that you're looking for on uh, American Family Radio. You can find it at AFR.net in the podcast. Also, email us at a- Addisons at AFR.net. Addisons at AFR.net. You have something that you would like to say, share with us. Um, you can just email us there and we will try to get back with you once you email. Also, the uh, Living the Gospel During uh, Difficult Times, that town hall event, the one that's outside of Birmingham, Alabama, has been canceled. But you can go to afa.net slash events and see when the other uh, town halls are scheduled. Make sure you, if you're in that area, that you make it out there, that you register first because uh, the, the seating is limited. But also that if you're in that area, wherever it is held, you can go out and, and check it out. Uh, I've been told that it's, it's a great opportunity to just be equipped. Uh, also, make sure you watch the In His Image documentary at inhisimage.movie, inhisimage.movie. And we're going to be talking about uh, that documentary in the next segment with Dr. Michael Brown. Uh, he was the host of the documentary. And so we're going to talk to him about some of the aspects of that movie. Also, remember that now is the time to be involved with Operation Christmas Child. The National Collection Week has started. It ends um, November 23rd. Be a part of evangelism and discipleship when you pack an Operation Christmas Child shoebox. And this year you can go shopping or build a shoebox online with friends and family. Just visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. This is something that my family personally takes, uh, you know, great joy in doing. It's a fun opportunity to um, teach the kids about giving. We always have a great time. Last year, it was it was funny because we were out of town uh, during the time when we were supposed to ship our our boxes. So we found the church in we were in Florida, I believe we found the church in Florida. Um, It was a Spanish church. And we went in and the people were, man, greeted us and said, hey, you do, you're here to do your boxes. And, you know, they prayed with us. Man, it was just an awesome time. And so, man, just another part of the body of Christ, you know, we're able to go and find, you can find those drop-off spots. Uh, if you go to their website, they'll, they'll have an um, address and all that, you know, for your local area. But if you're out of town, don't fret. Bring the boxes with you. That's what we did. We brought the boxes with us and uh, found the drop-off spot 
in Florida. So that was just an awesome, awesome experience. So it's just a good way with your family to talk about giving, to show how we give. You know, these boxes go a long way. And there are, there are children who accept Christ based upon getting these boxes and the follow-up that's done after they receive uh, these shoe boxes, you know, filled with, with good things for them. I want to take a moment to look at a portion of scripture. Um, and this one, this is a scripture that I find myself always coming back to because it's a great reminder of how we should um, relate with one another in the body of Christ. You know, something that's been heavy on my heart is that, number one, that we would know that our identity is in Christ, that we are in Christ if we are, in fact, born again. But also how we treat one another, because there are so many opportunities uh, for divisiveness and um, fractures and factions to take place within the body of Christ. So many, because this is literally a family and we know how in a family you have siblings, there's different rivalries, things happen, you know, there's different personalities. The, the people that you're closest to are the ones that you probably get into it with the most. And so being in the body of Christ, this is a family thing. You know, there's talk of in the word of, of uh, adoption. You know, <laughs> I was talking to my friend Les Riley and he was saying adoption uh, in God's economy was plan A. You know, we see it as plan B. Oh, you know, I can't have kids. I, I will adopt. But for God, it was plan A. There, there's no, you know, secondaries. Like we are his children. And, you know, the way that we relate to one another is big because even by the love that we show to one another, the world will see and know that we are Christ's disciples. And so it's important. And right now within the church, like I was talking about yesterday, I believe that we have this moment, these things that are happening, that are attacking the body of Christ. And it's time for the, the church to stand uh, uh, on the word of God and, and be able to say, hey, if I'm offended by this or this is something that's happened here, there's a fracture here, that we're able to talk to one another, have conversations with each other in love. You know, if there's a rebuke that needs to happen, we need to do it, but in love. And so in Galatians chapter six, starting at verse one, it says, brethren, uh, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you, too, will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and there, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. When uh, if for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. You know, this is like a, a practical thing uh, in the life of a Christian, you know, as we relate to each other in a family context. You know, sometimes there are situations where we have brothers and sisters who have named the name of Christ and, you know, they have gone astray. Uh, things happen in their lives and we can see that they're veering off the path. And if you love someone, you won't withhold the truth from them. We're living in a time right now that says, if you love me, don't tell me anything that I don't like. That's not love. 
But the admonishment here is that if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. You know, a lot of times, you know, uh, we can see a brother or sister that they're doing something, they're acting out in a certain way. And a lot of times, you know, uh, to have that, that spirit of gentleness, we have to stop ourselves and say, let me consider, like the word says, looking at myself first before I even go and address the situation that I see with my brother or sister. Paul is not saying that we never address these issues, but the way that in the way in which we address them is very important. Cause that could be a temptation even in that, that we would think we're something when we're nothing, you know, and go over to someone else. And we have, you know, many, many things that, that are glaring with us. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing of having that beam in our eye while trying to get, you know, a little speck out of someone else's eye. But there's never a place for not addressing things that are, um, are sinful. Within the body of Christ, if you call yourself a Christian and I, and I call myself a Christian and I'm faltering and I'm wavering and there's uh, things that I'm doing that are not right, well, you have the right as my brother or sister to call me out on that, to, to talk to me about that. We all have blind spots. We all have areas where we miss it. And we need not be prideful and think that we have it all together. But if you find that there's something that's going on with a brother or a sister and the Lord has allowed you to see it, he has allowed you to see it. And I say this all the time. He has allowed you to see whatever that is, not so that you can gossip or not so that you can just have this information on somebody that, oh, I know this is going on with them. Number one, God gives us information like that for us to pray. And if there are steps that, that should be taken, that we as brothers and sisters in Christ will go to one another and say, hey, man, I'm, I see that you're slipping in this area. I see something going on here and I don't want to assume anything, but this is what I see. Can we talk about this? If it's confirmed that it is what you have, uh, what, you, what you thought it was, man, there's place for rebuke. Hey, the word of God says this. You know, I recently had a situation like that. And before I even confronted the situation, I said, Lord, I want to do this in the right heart, the right manner. I want to have a spirit of gentleness. I want to consider myself, you know, before I even go in, I want to, to make sure that I, I am right in what I'm assessing and what I'm going to say. And when I had that freedom, I went and I, and I, and I sent a message to the person who, you know, I needed to talk to. And initially it wasn't received. And, and that's another thing. Sometimes, you know, you may not get the result that you think you should get, even if you're talking to another brother or sister in Christ, because you're dealing with another person. They have the right to, you know, reject it or accept it or whatever. But, you know, then the Lord may lead you not to press the issue, not to keep pressing on it, but to hang back after you have addressed whatever you need to address and pray. But I, I don't see any uh, indication of not if you if you if you know that you uh, are seeing correctly. For you not to go to that brother or sister in a spirit of gentleness, meekness and love and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Can we can we can we talk about this? To not do that, I think, is to set up uh, that person for, for great danger 
is not showing forth love. It's really showing forth selfishness. See, we can't be, uh, you know, as Christians living in the day that we're living in and seeing the things that, that the Lord is allowing us to see. We can't be ones that are, are passive about sin. And sin will, will destroy you. And if we see that in our brothers and sisters, we should have the boldness to say, man, I'm going to confront that. And if someone sees it in us and they and they confront it in us and it's true, we need to have humility in our hearts to say, man, you know, I didn't really see that. But now I see what you're saying. Man, forgive me. Like I, I, I need to repent to the Lord, repent to whoever it is like this is body life. This is how we live out our lives uh, in, in, in Christ. It's not easy. You know, it wasn't easy and it wasn't a joyful thing for Paul to rebuke Peter, uh, Peter to his face when he was showing partiality. Sometimes that, that set of scriptures is read as though like, yeah, Paul got him. He went at him. No, it wasn't, you know, because that's not a, a, a joyful thing. You know, even with his friend Barnabas, he said even Barnabas was led astray. But he had to, for the sake of the gospel, say what he said and bring it out. That's real love. And look, in the moment, there might not be a feeling of goosebumps and fuzzies between you and the person that you are talking with or bringing this out about. But man, if the person is truly submitted to the Lord and, you know, has a heart that that's willing to be, you know, uh, 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 corrected and things like that, man, they will come back and they will remember that. And they re- will remember you as being a true friend, a true brother, a true sister in Christ. These are the type of types of relationships we need within the body of Christ. I don't need someone constantly patting me on my back saying, good job, Will. Yes, there's a time for that. There's a season for that. We should encourage one another. But if I'm walking and, I'm a, and I can't see and I'm about to fall off a cliff, man, shout at me, say, hey, stop, stop. Let's love one another. Let's love one another. You confront, you know, you can rebuke. Those things are necessary, even in relationship with one another. But we do it in love. We do it in gentleness and humility, considering ourselves, knowing that, hey, I'm, I'm nothing but dust either. And I, I have flaws myself. But we have to do we have to do it. We have to do it. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be right back after this. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, once again, holding it down for the family. And as we were talking in our last segment about how we interact with one another as believers in Christ, man, that, that scripture in Galatians, Galatians uh, chapter 6, you know, we are to, when we see things, you know, rebuke, correct, 
but it has to be done in the spirit of gentleness and meekness. But we have to do it. If we say that we love people, we will do those things that are hard as well. But right now in the studio, I have a special guest, someone we've talked to many times. Uh, we have Dr. Michael Brown in studio, host of the documentary In His Image. He is also the host of nationally syndicated talk radio show, The Line of Fire, which airs on NRB TV network, and I believe AFR as well. Uh, he's the author of such books as Can You Be Gay and Christian and Outlasting the Gay Revolution. And he holds a doctorate in Near Eastern uh, Languages. Great to have you, Dr. Brown. Great to be with you face to face. Yes, yes. I think we had one other time when we were doing Urban Family Talk when we had you in that back studio. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I remember being face to face then, and then we <laughs> met at a conference together. Yes, but yes. otherwise, well, normally on the radio, it's from a distance. Yes, so. yes. And I'm sad Miki can't be here because I know she would love to. But well, and, you just bring all the kids in during the <laughs> show, right? All, all six of them, right? Yeah, that would be pretty rowdy. <laughs> pretty rowdy. Um, this this documentary here uh, in his image. Uh, why did you agree to be a part of it, to host it? And, you know, what, is un what was unique about it that made you want to be a part? Yeah, so since 2004, God burdened me to get directly involved with, with these issues mm. and to focus on the people. Uh, the way the Holy Spirit laid it on my heart was reach out and resist. Reach out to the people with compassion. Yeah. Resist the agenda with courage. So being on the front lines all these years you realize what a critical issue is this is in the society. Yeah. You realize how many people are hurting and struggling. You realize how much of the church doesn't really know how to address these things. And one pastor said, you know, the older generation, we hear the word homosexuality, we think an issue. The younger generation hears that they think a person. Mm. The same with the subject of transgenderism. And we just can't look the other way. Yeah. The, early on, when I was asking the Lord, why me? I mean, why are you laying this on my heart to get involved in mm -hmm. a serious way? I don't have background here. Mm -hmm. I don't come out of sexual brokenness. I don't come out of homosexuality. Right. The transgender issue really wasn't as major a thing 16 years ago as it is now. Yeah. My doctorate's in Near Eastern languages. You right. know, I, I'm Jew, I debate rabbis. I mean, what's, right. what's right. this? And I, I really felt from the Lord, no, this is the big issue. Mm. Nobody gets to sit this out. Yeah. Everybody's needed. And, and, and others have said, the knock's going to come on your door. In other words, either as a pastor you're going to be confronted or a family member, and something's going to come up, a friend of the family. Right. So uh, when, it, when AFA reached out to me, knowing the history of AFA, mm -hmm. standing on these issues culturally in an uncompromised way, yeah. but also knowing there's a biblical commitment and there's a commitment towards people, there's a compassionate commitment. The moment I was asked, I knew, obviously, it's a serious investment of time and energy, but right. instantly... I said yes to do it. And, and what's unique about this is that it brings a number of things together, but all flowing out of the title, in his image. Yeah. It brings everything back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, which is very unique. So there, there are great testimony videos where, where people, former homosexual, former transgender, share very, very powerful. Mm. And, and we highly encourage folks to watch them. I've been part of other videos where we'll talk about what Scripture says, mm. weave some testimonies in. Those are powerful as well. But this, because of everything flowing out of Genesis 1 and 2, mm -hmm. because it was going to look at culture, theology, and individual story, yeah. I, I thought, boy, that is going to make it unique and powerful, bringing in the different experts, bringing in the different testimonies, weaving things together the way it did. It, 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 I knew it had real potential. Yeah. 
And the fact that I was asked to be part of it, to me, was just a great honor. So the team did all the hard work, and then I would come in at various points. We'd shape, mold, we'd, yeah. we'd rethink things, we'd fine-tune, sharpen, and then you know plug my different roles in during it. And when you see the, the product, it's an hour 43 minutes. Wow. I've watched it over and again yeah, now because yeah. I'd have to watch it through. Yeah. And we cut content and right. rearrange and watch it through again. Each time I watch it, it's more effective. Yeah. And now as people are watching it, it's, it's having the desired impact. Yeah. And I, I have been so happy now that it's out. Almost a quarter of a million views in the first week. I've been so happy that it's out because I can say, just watch this. Yeah. Just yeah. watch this. And yeah. pastors and leaders, if they go to inhisimage.movie, mm -hmm. not only do you get to watch it for free, but you can find out about hosting a showing at your church. I was uh -huh. part of that in Oklahoma City a week before it came out. So it was powerful Man. to have the people there watching. And then afterwards, AFA saying, hey, we've got all these free resources for you. Give this out and 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 a magazine. You know, I'm, mm. I, I introduce things like I do on the sh uh, on the documentary. Mm -hmm. Introduce it in the magazine. You get testimonies and teaching, and then in the back, okay, here's resources. Mm -hmm. Go here, go here, go here. Practical things. So, a lot of pastors don't know what to do. Yeah, it's it's tough right. enough to lead right. a congregation. Yeah, keep everyone healthy. Now you're going to be an expert on transgender <laughs> science. Yeah. Now you're going to be able to help someone with a lifetime of sexual abuse that's that's lived as a homosexual for years, and you're going to figure all this out. Mm. Well, no, we're here to help. Yeah, Great here are resource. the resources, that's and right. here are testimonies to fill you with hope. Yeah, and, and these topics like this, you know, they can be very emotional. You know, uh, a lot of times, even as Christians, we may not understand how to use the Bible to relate to the situation that's going on. And I know we've gotten like calls and in, in text. You know, of a parent saying that my my child is into this and that. You know, what what can I do? So this is a great great resource for churches for everybody to to be able to check out and say this is how how we're supposed to you know confront this issue. You know, and it has to be with compassion and with love, but also uh, uh, biblical. What's the importance of having those two? You know, like in this documentary that you have the compassion, you have the testimonies, but you also have the scripture. Yeah, grace and truth go hand in hand. Yeah. If I say to you, is God full of love or is God full of truth? <laughs> it's not either or. It's, right. it's both, both and. Yeah. And and one requires the other. Mm -hmm. Perfect love requires perfect truth. Perfect truth requires perfect love. From a human standpoint, if I'm just going to emphasize truth, well, that's mm -hmm. just wrong. Mm -hmm. That's just sin. Mm -hmm. That this is not the way it's supposed to be. I can I can go the way of harshness. Yeah. I can go the way of lack of understanding, and I drive people out the door. Yeah. I can go the way of love in a human way. Not, we're not talking about divine truth, divine mm. love, but in a human way. I can go the way of love and say, hey, man, we just want you to be happy. Mm -hmm. If you're happy like this, we're happy. We put our arms around you, and, and, and I don't help the person. Right. So grace and truth have to come together. And, and I defy anyone to watch this movie <laughs> and find one hateful word mm -hmm. in it, mm -hmm. to find one hateful syllable, yeah. to find anything of a moral superiority where we're looking down our noses at, mm -hmm. at those who are struggling. And, and for those who say, hey, the fact you're even talking about struggling, that's an insult. I'm not saying everyone's struggling. Mm -hmm. If you're out and proud and you're, you're happy living mm -hmm. this way, and you're, you say you're a trans-Christian and you're fulfilled, that's between you and God. I say the Word of God is very clear on that, Amen. but that's between you and God. But plenty are struggling, plenty yeah. are hurting. And, and to shut the door on them, to say there is no hope, 
to say just you have to accept the way you are, that to me is anything but loving. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And this is a compassionate piece, but it also will bring the truth. I think it's powerful to have real-life testimonies of people who were in those situations and God delivered, you know. And, and speaking of that, I have been talking about it, Miki has been talking about it for a while, uh, this whole uh, critical race theory, intersectionality, because I, I feel like these things are intertwined. We talk about cha- uh, transgenderism and the, the homosexual uh, agenda, because in intersectionality, it says, well, no, transgender people and homosexuals are marginalized. You know, we need to make room. And so do you see that same thing? Do you see it like a connectedness between because these things are attacking the church as well, these uh, Marxist ideologies, but as well as the, you know, uh, transgender agenda and all that kind of stuff. Is it uh, do you see the, the connection there between the two of those? Yeah, so let me answer your question with a question. The, okay. good, the good Jewish practice here. And say, is it a coincidence that the founders of the BLM movement are radical, feminist, Marxist, (laughs) two of the three who identify as queer and with a stated goal that they want to disrupt the Western nuclear family? Uh, There's definitely a connection. And look, the intersectionality mentality, the more marginalized categories you have— then, then the more special treatment you deserve or, or mm-hmm. the, the more society has to bend to accept you. Right. So who, who is, which, which would be one at the top of the list would be black trans women, right. Right? <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's what you're seeing, even in the forefront of some of this, that you're seeing the Black Lives Matter is joining with Trans Lives Matters and now coming up with Black Trans Lives mm-hmm. Matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess you, maybe a Native American woman, yeah. you know, two-spirited, tra- right. you know, maybe, maybe it's getting a little <laughs> bit more, amazing. right? Yeah. But yeah. Right. So on the one hand, you want everyone to be treated fairly under the law. We absolutely stand for that. Mm-hmm. And we state plainly that all human beings are fallen and flawed, yeah. that every one of us need a Savior, and Jesus died for every one of us. But we don't put people in categories right. and then make value judgment based on those categories. Rather, we hold to our values and, and then call others to be made whole and, and come in harmony yeah. with those values. So the critical race theory ultimately has a, a destructive, divisive edge. I, I had Abe Hamilton, one of your colleagues, yeah. on my show, yeah. and, and he was so eloquent discussing these very things. Yes. And, and even as a black man, saying, why well, he will not say the mantra, Black right. Lives Matter. So it's easier for you as a black man than for right. me, you know? But, but the, the point was that it's, it, there's something to it. There's something spiritual. When, when, he, when right. he uncovered some of the stuff about mm-hmm. the witchcraft, witchcraft things yeah. and the consulting the dead, it's like it, none of it is a surprise because it's, it's ultimately a rejection of God's order, yeah. of God's creation. So when, when you go to Genesis 1, the foundation of all foundations, the existence of God. So the new atheism targets that with an mm. aggression like we hadn't seen in generations, yeah. the, the attack on the existence of God. The next foundation is God's the creator of all things. That's one of the hardest isms to kill, Darwinism, mm. the, this, this natural construct that humanity somehow just evolves on its own. There is no God behind it. Mm. And then what's the pinnacle of creation? God creates us male and female in his image, right? So that's what's under assault, just male-female distinctions. So the foundations of foundations Mm. are under assault, the existence of God, God is the creator, and that he creates us male and female. And those distinctions have a purpose. And and folks who who watch in his image, Mm -hmm. you will really see God's purpose in creation. And anyone that's married, that's raising kids, 
you know their differences. Yeah. It, it, is, it is very rare that the mom is throwing the two-year-old in the air <laughs> while the dad is saying, don't do that. <laughs> right, Be right, careful. Right. Yeah. It's, very, it's very rare. I know it's a little stereotypical <laughs> comment, but, it, but it's very rare. Yeah. You approach things differently. Right. You, the, the brain responds differently. Right. We, we, we function in different ways, just like the left brain, right brain. Mm-hmm. There are differences with males and females. That's right. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. When mm-hmm. we mess with that, everything gets messed with. That's that's why when I saw God calling me into in, into taking a role in being a voice, which mm-hmm. I knew, you don't want to do this, man. You're going to get hated. I'm a hated already. You're going to get <laughs> hated, vilified, blessed yeah. like you've never been. You're going to be accused of every kind of perverse thing. It comes with the turf. But I knew God was saying to do it. Why is it that it becomes such an issue? Mm-hmm. In, other, in other words, people sleeping together out of wedlock. That's happened. Adultery. That's mm-hmm. happened. Those are bad things. Mm-hmm. Porn. Bad. Destructive. Mm-hmm. All this stuff's been going on. But it's only when you challenge the order of male-female marriage mm-hmm. and male-female gender distinctions. When you challenge the fundamental order, the whole society now gets disrupted by yeah. it. You now have the the marches and and the push and the yeah. pride behind it. So it's a it's an attack on the fundamental order. And coming from another angle, critical race theory is now trying to erect walls that divide, yeah. as opposed to find out ways to come together as one. Yeah, and I, you know, and not to get off the topic, but because I think this is all related, but I think you know, just what in his image covers. You know, also looking at the design that God has created for marriage and family, and also seeing like. Uh, what critical race theory and intersectionality and all these things are are cropping up even in the church. I, I feel like this is like the church's 21st century Athanasius type moment. Like mm-hmm. we have to contend, we have to stand and say, you know, no, this is not right. And this is why, because I think what is happening, uh, like a lot of the lay people, like just normal Christians, you know, they're hearing these things in their churches and they're seeing these different things happen. They're like, Something is not right with all of this, you know, but they don't know the words, the language, you know, to put these big words to what's going on, like critical race theory. They might say, well, I don't know what that is, you know, but I think within his image, you know, it it can break down what's going on when I have a question of can I be gay and a Christian? Well, this documentary will answer that question, you know, and these resources are great. For the normal lay person who goes to church and may not understand all the different definitions and things like that, but can watch this uh, documentary. And I'm hoping more like this will spring for, you know, for maybe for critical race theory and things like that, where we can tackle these issues and put it in the hands of everyday Christians so they can understand what's going on. And even in a local level, be able to contend, you know, for the faith. Yeah, and, and look, it's one thing when you hear about something out there. Bruce yeah. Jenner is named Woman of the Year by Glamour magazine. Yeah. Or this kid named Jazz going through sex change on TV and this whole thing. It's still out there. Yeah. But then you realize, well, no, no, my 14-year-old daughter was affected by that. Mm. That that uh, we get a call. Uh, the other day I had Walt Heyer, who's in the documentary, yeah. 80 years old now, former transgender. We get a call from a, a mom in Las Vegas mm-hmm. three years ago. Their wow. daughter came out as trans and became a gay prostitute of all wow. things. They say, but we're going to keep on loving our kid until yeah. she's whole. Yeah. Well, look, I want to keep you for a couple more minutes. Uh, we have a break coming here. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Michael Brown. He's on Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be back right after this.
This is Aaron Addison here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, joined by Dr. Michael Brown, and we're talking about the documentary In His Image. Make sure you go to inhisimage.movie. Check it out. Um, and you can order it there, too, as well. And so make sure that you go and see it. Man, it's a, it's a great resource uh, for individuals, for churches, for groups. These tackle a lot of questions that you probably have concerning, you know, uh, transgenderism, the homosexual uh, agenda, and, you know, just questions that you may be dealing with in your family, in your church. So I would highly recommend that you go and check that out. Uh, Dr. Brown, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions. Um, you know, I personally haven't seen many documentaries that uh, uh, just tackle the issues like this, the way that this one does. Why do you think we're so... Uh, slow at the draw sometimes as Christians to to tackle issues like this, you know, in the body of Christ? Yeah, there there are a few reasons. One is it's difficult, time-consuming, thankless in, yeah. in many ways. Um, so many times we're just busy putting out the fires that exist, you know, marriage counseling here, you mm. know, teen suicide here, people not grounded in Scripture. There's just so much going on already. Yeah, that to focus on like specialty issues, or until you're <laughs> confronted, until it hits your own home, your own yeah, congregation. Yeah. A, a lot of times, people don't. Um, another thing is, there's going to be attack when you do. Mm-hmm. You you will be targeted. Mm. You will be hated. You mm-hmm. will be rejected. Right. You've got a fine Christian organization like the AFA gets branded a hate group by the SPLC. Yeah, I got put on their list of, of 30 <laughs> new leaders of the radical right, <laughs> along with Malik Zulu Shabazz, former oh head goodness. of the New Black Panthers, <laughs> along with David Duke, former Grand Wizard of the Knights right. of the Ku Klux Klan. Laughable, I mean, man. I took it as an honor, <laughs> reproach for the gospel, yeah, but you're yeah. going to get hit like that. Right, you right. will be attacked. And then another thing is ignorance, mm-hmm. meaning I don't know what to say. Yeah. I don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Look, I, my doctorate you mentioned is in Near Eastern languages and literatures, but the only language I really learned to speak was Hebrew. Okay. All the others, uh, you know, ancient Babylonian, you just learned to read it. Right? Yeah. Just like you're reading ancient Latin or Greek, you're just learning to read it. You're not speaking it. Right. Hebrew, I learned to speak, but I don't speak well because I put my whole emphasis on the written language, mm-hmm. the ancient written language. So I found over the years that if I was going to be around a Hebrew speaker that didn't know English, I kind of avoided it because I was the one that was supposed to translate and understand. Mm. And because I knew I was going to miss things, mm-hmm. I just, I would avoid it if uh, I could. Yeah. And I think people just kind of stick their head in the sand if they can yeah. and just wait for the storm to pass. But this storm is not passing. Right. This is the reality. Our, our kids and grandkids are growing up in a world mm. in which homosexual, quote, marriage is the norm, in which transgender identity is the norm, yeah. in which they're being told in first grade that yeah. they may be a boy trapped in a girl's body. Cartoons, everywhere. Right. It's everywhere around <laughs> them. So when God laid it on my heart to get involved, in 2004, and, and I began to question it in terms of why me, because look, doing Jewish apologetics, that I understand. I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. I've been t- talking about my faith with rabbis since within weeks of when I was saved. Mm-hmm. i got a doctorate in Semitic languages. I'm a debater. Mm-hmm. It, that's a perfect fit. Yeah. Other things God called me into was, was a natural fit. Yeah. But it's like, why, why me for this? And mm-hmm. here's what I thought. I thought, you already have family... Uh, focus on the family, mm-hmm. James Dobson. Yeah. You already have Don Wildman, American Family Association. Mm-hmm. On the political front, you also have Tony Perkins and Family Research Council. That's right. 
you got prophetic voices like Chuck Colson. Mm-hmm. What do you need me for? I got, <laughs> I got a lifetime. I, I'm involved in 20 other things already. I'm already yeah. in over my head with too much to do. Yeah. What do you need me for? That's when I realized. And the moment I began to dig more and read, because I've been following from a distance. Mm-hmm. But when I really dug in and started to read, I realized this is the principal threat, threat to freedom of religion, speech, and conscience in the nation now. This is yeah. 2004, yeah. 16 years ago. That was clear. I found writings from Francis Schaeffer in 1968 talking about there's going to be a fundamental attack on gender identity and things. So he was already seeing that with homosexual activism. Yeah. I'm catching on now in 2004, yeah. right? But yeah. the, the fact of the matter is, it's not just the, the threat to our liberties. It's the fact that every family we know, if not your family directly, then your kids' friends mm. in school or the way they're being touched in social media or a colleague at work, these are people issues that are everywhere that we simply cannot ignore. So we're now being forced. When I say we, I don't mean AFA, I don't mean we, I mean the church as a whole. We're now being forced to to deal with these things. Here, I get a pastor ask me to speak to his congregation, about 900 people in North Carolina. He said, please address Can You Begin Christian, but be sure to say something about transgender issues. So in the midst of my message, I said, what do you do if a man comes into your church service wearing a dress carrying a Bible. What do you do? I said, love on him, invite him out for lunch, spend time with him. I said, and if there's a little kid like, daddy, why is that man wearing a dress? Just said, let's just be loving to him. He's a little confused and go on. Okay. <laughs> a few weeks later, he texts me. He says, Dr. Brown, it happened just as you said. Man came in <laughs> wearing a dress, carrying a Bible, yeah. loved the service and all that. He said, our people loved on him because that's who we are. He said, we found out though that during the service, he used the ladies room. Mm-hmm. What do we do? So I chatted with my wife, Nancy, about it. I texted him back. I said, hey, next time he comes, greet him at the door, have somebody waiting for him, one of the ushers, and say, hey, listen, we're so glad you're back, but we don't want you to feel uncomfortable or the ladies uncomfortable. So if you have a need, need to use the restroom at any point, just let me know. I'll be right here. We'll take you over to the pastor's room. Mm -hmm. This is real life now. This this is the world in which we live. I've got a friend in another country. She starts emailing me, you know, family friend, you know, same age as our daughter's. And she says, um, what do I do? Uh, my daughter's 15 now. Suddenly, out of the blue, she's identifying as transgender. Mm-hmm. Completely shocked, out of the blue. She goes to the school, because the school is reinforcing this, to talk to the, the teachers, only to find out that without her knowledge, the next day they were going to announce to the whole school that this girl was now a boy and to be treated as a boy. Wow. She said she never felt that stuff until she was in that school. Wow. What do we do with our daughter? Man. So this is yes, real day life. in, day yeah. out, real life. Even if you're not concerned about the social issues, which we should be, mm-hmm. because those who came out of the closet want to put us in the closet. Mm-hmm. There is a frontal assault on our freedoms of speech, religion, conscience. It is here. The Trump administration has helped push back on that, yeah. but it is here. That's yeah. a fact. Even if you don't care about that, care about the people. No, that's that's good. And you mentioned the children. You know, I have six, and we are constantly trying to guard what they're seeing because they put it in everything. Commercials, it could be in cartoons, you know, things I grew up watching. <laughs> they've, they've, they've changed them, you know. Yeah. Um, superheroes. Superheroes, everything, everything. And so I wanted to ask you, as far as this documentary, um, children watching this documentary would you suggest that or do you feel like there's a certain age in in which a, a child should well, certainly any teenager could, okay. could watch for sure and and we'd be surprised with many of our preteens what they they've been exposed lot. to already <laughs> what i would suggest is that they 
the parents know their kids well enough. Yeah. If when they're talking about the kids, the kids already show an awareness. Mm-hmm. They, oh yeah, daddy, they talk about this in the school. Mm-hmm. Or oh yeah, my friends are posting on this on on Snapchat or whatever they're right. using. You know. Right. Right. If they're already aware, then sure. Yeah. Uh, let let them watch. If they're totally unaware, then for for the younger kids. Uh, it, there's yeah. some there's some scenes. Look, do you want them to see a, a boy drag queen? Right. Do you want them to see the oh, drag queen shaking her hips in right. front of the toddlers in the library? <laughs> right. Do you want the picture of you know uh, the medical diagram of sex change surgery? Yeah. Uh, or just the you know people talking about being sexually abused or growing up a certain way. Yeah. But if they're a lot of kids are more exposed than we realize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was I was talking to a middle school teacher flying back to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I, where I live. And she was very liberal and as pro-LGBT as could be. And she said, you know, it's actually become the in thing now for kids to come out as gay. It's kind of the opposite of being scorned and hated. And I'm sure in certain parts of the country, kids yeah. still get scorned and right. hated and, and mocked and stuff. But, but she was saying it's the in thing now. Mm-hmm. And she said a 12-year-old boy got up in class the other day and said, I just want to announce I'm gay. The next day... He came in and said to the teacher, I think I made a mistake. Can I take that back? 12 years old. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the level of confusion. Right. And she was just, she, even though she's an advocate on that side, she was talking about how vulnerable and how little they understand. Yeah. When, and here, look, you have candidate Joe Biden saying an eight year old who identifies as trans should be accepted and embraced as that. Now, I wanted to do, I wanted to ask you about that. And I wanted to play the clip so people can hear. And then get your response yeah, as you're going yeah. there. I want to let's just play that clip. Comes from Mika Hack. She's from uh, State College, Pennsylvania. This is your first presidential election that you're voting. Yes. Hi, Mika. How are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm the proud mom of two girls, eight and ten. My youngest daughter is transgender. The Trump administration has attacked the rights of transgender people banning them from military service, um, weakening non-discrimination protections, and even removing the word transgender from some government websites. How will you, as president, reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda and ensure that the lives and rights of LGBTQ people are protected under US law? I will flat out just change the law. Every, eliminate those executive orders, number one. You may recall, I'm the guy who said, uh, I was raised by a man who, uh, I remember I was being dropped off. My, my, my dad was a high school educated, well-read man who uh, was a really decent guy. And I was being dropped off to get, get an application in the center of our city, Wilmington, Delaware, the corporate capital of the world at the time. And these two men, I'm getting out to get a, an application to be a lifeguard in the African-American community because there was a big swimming pool complex. And, uh, and these two men, well-dressed, leaned up and hugged one another and kissed one another. And I'm getting out of the car at the light and I turn to my dad. My dad looked at me and said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. The idea that an eight-year-old child or a 10-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. And what's happening is too many transgender women of color are being murdered. They're being murdered. I mean, I think it's up to now 17. Don't hold me to that number, but it's, 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 incre- 
It's, it's higher now. Yeah. And that's just this year. And so I promise you, there is no reason to suggest that there should be any right denied your daughter or daughters, whichever, one or two, one, one your daughter, that your other daughter has a right to be and do. None. Zero. And by the way, my son, Bo, passed away, was the attorney general of the state of Delaware. He was the guy who got the first transgender law passed in the state of Delaware. And uh, because of a young man who became a woman uh, who uh, worked for him in the attorney general's office. What's your response? So, number one, I slightly question the veracity of the account that two black men in public in the 50s, was it, are kissing? Uh, <laughs> right. So perhaps his memory might be a little bit yeah, askew there. Yeah. Put that aside. Uh, uh, you could say the best construction that he is well-intended and the mother is well-intended. Let's put the best possible construction on it. Mm-hmm. They really believe people are born this way. They really believe that gay person is born that way. They really believe that a child at eight can know that they're transgender. So let's put the best construction that they really think this is the loving right thing to do. Mm -hmm. The reality is an eight-year-old does not know that they are transgender. The vast majority of these kids, if you leave them alone when they go through puberty, the vast majority, as high as 90%, will no longer identify as the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. The worst thing you could do is affirm them in it. The worst thing you could do is put them on hormone blockers that might sterilize them for life, just those hormone blockers, and then after they're old enough to then have them get sex change surgery when they're maybe 18, 20 years old, too young to think about the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And now hormones for, for life after that, there are so many now. There's a growing movement of people saying, what did I do? A, 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 a large number of autistic, mildly autistic teenage girls who in large numbers have been identifying as trans because that's what they're hearing. Oh, that's why you're not at home in your body. Oh, that's wow. why you're struggling. There are other issues they're struggling with. They think this is it. They get full mastectomies. Now they're 20 years old saying, what did I do? Right. I, I spoke to, to Paul McGue from Johns Hopkins University, head of the psychiatric department there, and one of the leaders in the nation mm-hmm. in dealing with transgender issues. In his words, this is before I was on the Tyra Banks show years ago, where we were talking about transgender children. It's the first time ever they're going to have these eight-year-old kids come out in public and, and all how wonderful and all this. Okay, I asked him, how do you feel about these kids being put on hormone blockers? And, and he said, any chemical uh, uh, use, anything like this, he said, it is child abuse. Right. It may be well-intended, but it is child abuse. I don't doubt this mom's a proud mom. I don't doubt that she thinks she's doing what's best for her daughter. And for the short term, the daughter's happy with it. Long term, it's only going to bring harm. Man, man, in his image dot movie. Make sure that you go and, and watch it. Make sure that you order it. Make sure that you let your church leaders know about it. Uh, very, very important resource to have. You know, I, look, if your church want uh, someone to come out and to display it and to show it, just let us know. Go to that uh, website in his image dot movie. And, and, and get the information there. It's just a powerful tool. We need these type of tools within the body of Christ. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Thank you. All right. This has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. Will Addison, Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow. Until then, God bless. <laughs>